Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. Well, hopefully by now you are embracing this season of Advent, as they would call it in the Western Lung of the Church. For some of the Eastern Lung, we would call it the Philip's Fast. Again, we call it Philip's Fast only because it happens to begin after the Feast of St. Philip, which is November 14th. And we call it that because, well, (laughs) it's a way of remembering when it begins, and it goes for 40 days. It doesn't have anything to do with Philip the Apostle Philip, other than the fact that it happens to begin after his feast day. It's just a way of marking the time. And this period is a period, like all periods that prepare us for a great feast day in the church, a great event, is a period of penance, of renewal, of cleaning house. And that's the case with Advent, too. Now, Advent in the Western church does have a very positive, forward-looking character to it. And that's good, and that's correct. But at the same time, it also has this sense of repentance and of renewal, of cleaning house. So Advent is one of those both-and experiences in the church, and the West does that very well. As you know, the Eastern spirituality, as I often say in this program, is very much characterized by a both-and kind of approach. Something is this and that at the same time, and we live in the confluence of the two. That's called mystery. The Eastern churches are very good at that. The West is too, but the East has a particular flair for it. But in this case, in Advent, the Western lung of the church does a very fine job in living in the both and. There's definitely the penitential aspect of Advent. That, by the way, is one of the reasons they use the color purple in the Western church. And centuries ago, this, this aspect of the penitential dimension of Advent was, was stronger. However, it still is there, even though what has been added on or or at least increased in its character has been that sort of joyful looking forward, a kind of a looking and a joyful expectation at the coming of the Lord. But also, it's a way of looking even to the final coming, you know, to Maranatha, as it says in the book of Revelations, come Lord, to that final judgment 
where Christ comes again in glory to judge the living and the dead and to bring those who have believed in him and lived according to his life to heaven with him forever, body and soul reunited, gloriously transfigured. Now, in the Eastern churches, the penitential theme is very strong. In fact, we advocate a fast of no meat or dairy products at least Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But you can also do it the whole 40 days as well. And in addition to fasting, always, as we always say here at Light of the East, is increase prayer, which in turn, the two of them, fasting and prayer, as they increase, their goal is to increase our charity. So it's always the ascetical disciplines and the disciplines of prayer that lead us to increased charity. And let's face it, we live by the rule of love. That's what God is about. That's what our faith is all about. And so everything has to help us to come to that point of being creatures, beings who are more and more loving, that we image more and more the love of Christ. So Advent, or the Phillips Fast, is a marvelous time of preparation, one that we really need very, very badly, I'm afraid. If you look at the world, first of all, looking at ourselves, often say that whenever we see the bad in the world, and we all know there's been a lot of it lately, and there's a lot of it swarming around, but whenever we see that, I like to suggest, and I do it myself, to look in the mirror and say, okay, what's wrong with you? Why haven't you done more? What is it that you're doing or not doing that is somehow contributing to the bad? Yes, I mean that. You might say, well, I haven't done these bad things. I haven't shot anybody and that kind of a thing. Yes, but you know what? Anytime I hear about somebody who's done something very bad like that, I think to myself, they're acting that way because they probably never got the message that I got. I was privileged to hear the gospel, to be baptized into Christ, in the life of the Trinity, to be raised in the church, to have at my disposal these ascetical disciplines of the church, the riches, east and west, of the sacraments and so on, the spiritual direction, the liturgy, the Eucharist. I had that. And that's the only thing, let's face it and be honest, it's the only things that really separate me from someone who does something really bad. Because left on our own, we're not capable, really, we're not really capable of acting virtuously on our own. We need the graces. We need to be connected with the church and with the body of Christ, especially through the sacraments. So this Advent is a time to do a self-inventory. Why is it that certain people or so many people aren't getting the message? What is it that I can do to help alleviate that, to improve on that? Can I model it better? Can I become more active? Can I pray more for other people? It's really about what good people are doing or not doing that holds the answer. It's not about looking at the bad things and the bad people and say, oh, look at that. Isn't that horrible? I'm glad I'm not like that. It's always about mercy, in a sense about pity. You look at someone and say, that poor soul, no matter what they did wrong, they didn't have the answer. What turmoil must have been in their heart and soul for them to do such a bad thing. Let's try to get the answer, the good news to everybody. Of course, trying to communicate the answer to other people and into the whole world, which we must do for those of us who have been graced with the answer, in other words, the gospel, the good news, and the church, the life of the church, we have to, first of all, have it really working inside of us. We have to embrace it. We have to immerse ourselves in it. These periods of the liturgical calendar of the church, East and West, are precisely that. They are avenues in which the church helps us to immerse ourselves in the meaning of the mystery we're going to celebrate. In this case, of course, we're looking towards the birth of the Messiah, the coming of our Lord. And in order to immerse ourselves in that, 
we have to look at the life of the church. In the Eastern churches, in the liturgical calendar, and also in the Western calendar, there are little signposts along the way during this time of Advent and also the Philip's Fast. They're like, for instance, certain holy days or feast days. And there are some that are occurring even before we actually start Advent or Philip's Fast. And there's one aspect of one of these feast days that I think is rather interesting. I'm referring to, in the Eastern calendar, the feast which was just not too long ago, the feast of the Archangel Michael in all the incorporeal powers. In fact, that's how it's called in the Eastern churches. This occurs on November 8th. And in the liturgical prayers for that feast day, again, November 8th, this is a celebration of St. Michael the Archangel and all the incorporeal powers. In other words, thrones, dominations, principalities. Do you realize there's actually a hierarchy in heaven of angels? That's right. And Michael, of course, is the leader of the heavenly armies. That's what we call him in our liturgical texts. But in praying that, I was reminded of something, because one of the prayers for the feast of November 8th, St. Michael and the Archangels, is this. We say, today the Theotokos, the temple that is to contain God, is being escorted into the temple of the Lord, and Zechariah receives her. Today the Holy of Holies greatly rejoices, and the choir of angels mystically celebrates this feast. Let us also celebrate with them today, and cry out with Gabriel, Rejoice, O full of grace, the Lord is with you, and he grants us great mystery. Now notice this was talking about, this liturgical text, which comes from the Vespers for November 8th, the evening prayer in the Eastern churches. This verse talks about a feast day that is yet to come. This feast day will happen in the Byzantine liturgical calendar on November 21st. That is the entrance of the Mother of God into the temple. She is brought to the temple as a three-year-old girl, according to ancient tradition, and she is raised in the temple, fed by angels, according to tradition, so that she, as the texts say, can herself become the temple that is to contain God. Now, this feast is happening November 21st in the Byzantine calendar. And the pre-festive only occurs one day before. So it's interesting that all the way back in November 8th, we're already getting a foreshadowing of that. There's already a hint of that, kind of a distant echo that is presented to us by the church in her liturgical text. And I find that to be rather fascinating because it points to the kind of the timelessness of, of liturgical prayer. The sense that we can actually already talk about or anticipate something that's not even, it's time yet, (laughs) if you want to look at it that way. It's not November 21st yet, at least not on November 8th, although we're approaching it, of course. But yet we hear about it in the liturgical text for another feast day, for the Feast of St. Michael. Here we're hearing a text about the Blessed Mother. So again, the church's preparation, although it can be designated, for instance, for Advent or Philip's Fast as 40 days, Still, the church's consciousness is is something that can't be totally contained just by any particular number. So the church is already sort of breaking the barriers of these time segments, such as 40 days or whatever. And it's already anticipating something even before Advent begins. Now, when we come to the Feast of November 21st, that is the entrance of the Mother God in the temple, that is another one of those signposts or touchstones It's almost like stepping stones along the way that helps prepare us. And in fact, in the the text for that day, we hear a lot about the preparation of the Virgin Mary for her to become herself 
a temple of a living God. And the reason why this is significant is because it's supposed to be drawing us to the understanding that the Virgin Mary was one of us. Yes, she was very exceptional, but she was one of us. And we're going to talk more about how she's one of us and her place in the preparation for Christmas when we return. I'm Father Thomas Hoya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. I'm Father Thomas Loya, and I'm inviting you to Christmas on the Prairie. Come and hear the story of the real St. Nicholas and take a ride with him in his own horse-drawn carriage. Saturday evening, December 2nd, from 2 to 6 p.m., an indoor and outdoor family event. Experience the beauty of a Byzantine church, and homemade Christmas bake sale items are available. Christmas on the Prairie at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road in Homer Glen, Illinois. Saturday, December 2nd, from 2 to 6 p.m., you're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East, and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. 60491 and may God grant you Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host, and we are amidst the Advent season or the Philip's fast, as we call it in the Eastern churches. And we're looking at right now the place of the Virgin Mary in the preparation for the coming of her son, the Savior, the Messiah, on Christmas. And we look at that through the eyes of the church, especially her liturgical tradition, her holy days, her feast days. In particular, we're looking at the entrance of the Mother God into the temple. Now, this is a significant feast in the Eastern churches. It used to be in the West centuries ago, but it's not as emphasized today. It's an ancient feast that goes all the way back to the 5th century. Now, what's interesting is that the preparation of the Virgin Mary for herself to become a temple is put before our eyes because it's a reminder that the Virgin Mary is one of us, which means that what happened to her is supposed to happen to us. 
that we are supposed to be preparing ourselves at this time to be temples of the living God. And indeed, we become that when we receive Holy Communion. Now, the scripture says that the body is the temple of the Lord. Our bodies are the temple of God, but they become that even more so when we unite our bodies with the very blood, soul, and divinity of Christ when we receive Jesus in the Eucharist. We literally become living tabernacles. And so, Our period here of Advent or Philip's fast is one in which we prepare ourselves, as the Virgin Mary did, to be a worthy tabernacle of our Lord. What is a tabernacle? A tabernacle is that vessel that contains God, the presence of God. Prefigured in the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, seen in the church, in the tabernacle, in the sanctuary, but also seen in the Virgin Mary and also in ourselves. And this is why this feast is significant. Again, it helps to immerse us into what we're really supposed to be doing at this time of year, not just shopping and parting and working ourselves to the bone and becoming exhausted and frustrated. There's so much of that during this season, and it's supposed to be the season of the opposite. It's supposed to be a season of peace, of reflection, of calm. And it can be that for us if we let the church be our lead. An interesting aspect of the observance of this feast day, which is November 21st in the Eastern calendar, an interesting aspect is the conversation, yes, an actual conversation that occurs as the Virgin Mary is being presented as a little girl into the temple, and she's being received by the priest Zechariah. And in the liturgical text, this is from the Matins, the morning prayer in the Byzantine church of the feast day, the prayer or the conversation goes like this. When Anne escorted the most pure temple into the house of God, she spoke these words in faith to the priest. Take the child given to me by God and lead her into the temple of your creator and sing to him joyfully, O all your works of the Lord, bless the Lord. Upon seeing Anne, Zechariah said to her, You now escort here the true mother of life, whom the prophets of God proclaimed in times past as a Theotokos. How shall the temple contain her? Therefore, in wonder I cry out, O all your works of the Lord, bless the Lord. Anne answered Zechariah, saying, I come here as a servant of God, calling upon him with faith and prayer to receive the fruit of my labor. For I promised that after childbirth, I would offer my child to him who gave her to me. Therefore, I cry out in joy, O all your works of the Lord, Bless the Lord. Before we get any further with this conversation, I want to point out something here that hopefully struck some of you who are parents, especially those of you who are mothers. What does Anne say here? Now remember, Joachim and Anne were barren. The birth and conception of Mother of God was not only immaculate, spared from sin, but it was miraculous. But what does she say? Imagine, here is this couple that was bearing the shame, it was a real shame at that time, of childlessness. They're bearing that shame and that pain. And when they finally become fruitful, and with this most special child, what does Anne do? She says, For I promised that after childbirth I would offer my child to him who gave her to me. Imagine she gives up this long-awaited precious child, conceived and born miraculously. And that should be something that 
all parents should take note of, especially in regard to vocations of their own children. Let Anne be the example of courage for parents to be able to, yes, offer up their child for vocations. A lot of parents shy away from that. They feel they're going to lose their child. They won't have grandchildren and so on if their child assumes a religious vocation. But take Anne as the example. See, yet another reason why the liturgy of the church, its feast days, its cycles, is so important for us. I'll continue with the conversation. This act is truly in conformity with the law, said the priest to her. But I also realize that it is marvelous even to the smallest details, for I see now entering the house of God the one who surpasses the holy of holies in grace. Thus in my joy I cry out, O all your works of the Lord, bless the Lord. Notice the refrain that's done at the end of each one of these verses. Again, it comes from the scripture. And notice that Zechariah, the priest, says that, For I see now entering the house of God the one who surpasses the Holy of Holies. You see, the Holy of Holies, the Old Testament temple, that part of the Old Testament temple that only the high priest could enter but once a year to offer sin offerings on behalf of himself and the people, that was a prefigurement of the ultimate Holy of Holies, which is the Virgin Mary. And so this is why Zechariah cries out. So through him, through his perception, we read back into the Old Testament and we see how it was a preparation for the New Testament, for the Mother of God and for Christ. Or let's complete our conversation here. I am confronted to hear your words, said Anne, since you understand things according to the Spirit of God, and you clearly proclaim the mystery of the Virgin. Therefore, receive the Immaculate One into the temple of your Creator and sing out with joy, O all your works of the Lord. Bless the Lord. Zechariah cried out, A lamp that gives light has been kindled for us and has made the temple shine with joy. Let the souls of the prophets rejoice with me as they witness great wonders accomplished in the house of God. I let them now cry out, O oh, all your works of the Lord, bless the Lord. There are many really rich, incredible texts in the observance of the feast of the entrance of the Mother of God in the temple. Sometimes it's called the presentation of the Mother of God in the temple. We like to call it the entrance of the Mother of God into the temple. Many beautiful liturgical texts, a lot of them also refer to her as a bride, as the very bride of God, which brings in that beautiful spousal love and spousal mystery that St. John Paul II talked about so much in his Theology of the Body. So as we move through this very rich time of Advent, of joyful expectation yet of repentance and renewal, also called the Philip's Fast, let's review again what we need to really be doing. First of all, fasting, abstaining, drawing back from things, not taking on as the world says, increased prayer, especially immersing ourselves in the holy days, the feast days, the signposts along the way. In both the East and Western churches, there'll be another one coming up, and that will be the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Or as we say in the Eastern churches, the conception of the Mother of God in the womb of St. Anne. There'll also be the Feast of St. Nicholas. There'll be signposts along the way. Immerse yourselves, your household, your families, into these signposts. Increase the prayer, liturgically and personally, and above all, increase your sense and acts of charity. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. 
To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Celebrating 100 Years of Fatima with Monsignor Charles Pope. Though the messages of Our Lady of Fatima were completed in 1917, we had from Sister Lucia an important application of the message for our times. She wrote to Cardinal Carlo Caffara in 1981, saying, The final battle between the Lord and the kingdom of Satan will be about marriage and the family. Don't be afraid, she added, because whoever works for the sanctity of marriage will always be fought against and opposed in every way, because this is a decisive issue. Then she concluded, Nevertheless, Our Lady has already crushed his head. Work and pray every day in your own marriage and family to uphold the sanctity of holy matrimony and the family as God sets it forth in the Scriptures. Pray the Rosary every day for marriage and family. Join EWTN as we celebrate the 100th anniversary of Fatima. Visit EWTN.com slash Fatima. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.